Hey, Starburns listeners, Ben Schwartz here, and I'm here to plug. Here I go. I am in a new movie with Noel Wells on Netflix. It is called Happy Anniversary. It is out right now. You All you have to do is basically go on your computer or whatever device you want. You just click on it, and there we are. It's, it's me. It's Noel Wells, and it's the story of a couple on their three-year anniversary. They wake up, and on that moment, Noel's character is done. She feels like she doesn't think she can take any more of the relationship. And throughout the course of the movie, which takes place in, over the course of 24 hours, you flash back to all the good, the bad everything that encompasses this relationship to try to find out if these two actually will stay together or if they won't stay together. It's right now. It is a romantic comedy. Me and Noel Wells, written, directed by Jared Stern. Netflix, happy anniversary. Starburns, lots of words, ending with exclamation. When's it going to end? It just did. Another tag. And now it's done. It's the Starburns Industries Tape of the Month Club. 12 original cassette tapes delivered to your door. Each month, you'll receive a crisp new cassette tape of auditory delights made by some of the most funky and creative artists around. Featuring Dino Stamatopoulos, Natalie Palamides, Johnny Pemberton, Dan Harmon, future ladies of wrestling, Alan Resnick and Dina Kalberman, Dynasty Handbag, Jeff B. Davis, Rob Schraub, Lance Bangs, DJ Doug Pound, Cron, Open Mike Eagle, Ron Lynch, and on and on and on. And on. Subscribe now. $13 gets you a crisp, unique tape in the mail each month. For $20, you receive a portable cassette player so you can listen to your tapes on the go. Here's how to order. For credit card customers, please call 747-888-0945. That's 747-888-0945. Or save COD charges and log onto the World Wide Web at d forward slash SBI dash P-R-E-S-S. It's a good deal. It's a good show. Hey, everybody. What's happening? We're back. Um, by we, I mean me. It's Wednesday, the 28th of February. Um, uh, we have to get a new album, a uh, new episode out tomorrow. And um, Busy's been writing today. I've been running errands. Yesterday I had uh, um, I had a, a voiceover audition and I had a fitting for a music video that I shot today. Um, so it's been a real juggle since I've gotten back. I got back on Monday the 26th, three, two days ago, not three. Uh, also, which uh, was my birthday I turned 49. Um, don't feel any different. Feel about the same. Feel, uh, yeah, a little concerned with the fact that this is my last year in my 40s. Time is just going by so much faster now. It's well, What are you going to do? You can't stop it. So just enjoy your life and... <laughs> I'm saying all this like it doesn't bother me. It bothers the hell out of me. Um, but what are you going to do? Not age? <laughs> Not agey? Um, so, yeah, I... Uh, the weird thing is, though, I, I turned 49, and last night, I went to bed at 9 p.m. 
I, which I never do. I'm always the person who goes to bed at 2 or 3 a.m. And will usually wake up around 9 or 10 a.m. That's an average uh, night of sleep for me. I, I'm generally not a person that can sleep until noon or whatever. Um, 11 if I really try. And that usually involves me getting up, going to the bathroom, drinking some water, and then just getting it pitch black in my room and then trying to sleep some more. Um, so yeah, I'm usually about a six or seven hour sleeper. Last night, after I I did some auditions and I, I had to go to a wardrobe fitting for this music video, I got home at about 8 PM, checked some emails, laid on the couch, started to watch a movie. I was out by 9 p.m. Woke up. (laughs) I woke up at midnight, and I felt like I had slept all night. Like, I I woke up at midnight, and I thought it was morning. (laughs) And I looked uh, looked at my phone. Actually, I got up to go to the bathroom, and then I looked at my phone. I'm like, oh, my God, I've been asleep for three hours. And my friend uh, texted me, and uh, then I went back to bed till about 3 a.m. Went to the bathroom, went back to bed until 6 a.m., and then I had to wake up and go uh, drive to sh- to work on this movie just for a couple hours this morning. I played a cop. Not gonna lie, it's probably the first time that's ever happened. I usually play homeless people, drug addicts. Um, crazy people, slackers, video gamers. I I never play cops. Um, so I that was uh, that was new. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm shocked that I went to bed so late. I I think part of it is because I've been traveling so much and um, not sleeping a lot. And my body just needed it, but it really is weird because I know. <laughs> I know old people are known for going to bed early, and I know 49 is not old. Um, There's 59. Shit, 69 is barely old. It it depends on the person. I've seen some very spry (laughs) 69-year-olds. But yeah, I thought it was funny that after a lifetime of going to bed at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning... As soon as I turn 49, I'm going to bed at um, 9 p.m. Anyway, so I will do a a brief recap of the past couple weeks because I know we missed an episode last week um, because the previous week I had gone to Telluride, Colorado to do a comedy festival, which was really fun. If you're listening to this and you were in Telluride or you're from Telluride or you're even from Colorado, you have a beautiful state. Um, I got a lot of wonderful photos. Uh, as most of you know, I'm a, a part-time photographer. It's my hobby and I, my camera goes with me everywhere. Uh, you can find my other Instagram at, at Steve AG, um, not just uh, the podcast Instagram, which is no docs podcast, I believe. Anyway, yeah, I went to um, Telluride. It was a Thursday. I flew out 
And I'm also, I'm not great at flying. Not because I'm afraid to. I used to be afraid of flying. I got over it. Um, but I am a large person. I'm six foot six. I'm actually six foot seven if I, you know, stand properly straight up. <laughs> Which I... When you're as tall as I am, you spend a lifetime hunching over so you don't hit doorways or low ceilings. So I'm, let's just call it six, six and a half. And so planes are not built for giant people. And I'm not rail thin either. Let's be honest, folks. You've seen the photos. I could use a, use the loss of a few pounds. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I agreed to do this comedy festival because a lot of friends of mine, uh, do it every year and they've been asking me for years and it's never worked out. And so finally I, I just said, yeah, I'll do it no matter what I'm going to uh, tell you, right. I didn't realize you can't fly directly to tell you, right. It's a tiny mountain town. It's in a Canyon. They do have their own uh, airport. I'll post a photo of this, but I found out um, when I got to LAX, I knew I had a, a connecting flight in Prescott, Arizona, which I thought was weird. I was like, oh, why not Phoenix? Then I saw the plane we were flying in. Oh, Jesus Christ. It was so small. The plane had like 20 seats. I'll post photos of all this. It had 20 seats. It had propellers. I flew on a plane that had a commercial plane that had propellers. I have not done that. I don't even remember when the last time I've done that. I may have never done that. But I got on a plane with propellers. Had 20 seats. I had my little earbuds. I had my goddamn Apple wireless earbuds that go in your ear. I was sitting right on the, not on the, <laughs> I wasn't sitting on the wing like a fucking gremlin. I was sitting in a seat <laughs> in the plane. <laughs> oh my God. That's the greatest visual. And <laughs> the greatest visual is me sitting on the wing of a propeller plane when I am almost the size of the fucking entire <laughs> entire plane. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. But I was sitting in a seat that was inside the plane. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not a wing walker. I um uh, <laughs> I'm not a wing walker. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm dying at the visual. Hold on, I have to write something down. Uh, <laughs> my life is so hectic right now. Um, uh, so yeah, I sat. <laughs> oh, good, I have water right here. So I sat, you know what I mean by I sat on the, I, I had a window seat that was right even with the <laughs> the wing. Ah, delicious water. 
And so the propeller was right there next to me. As soon as they started that up, I had my phone volume up, like my iTunes volume, as loud as it would go. And I could barely hear my music, my playlist. I usually tend to fly with Bowie or the Rolling Stones. I have a... a because their uh, catalog is so large, I can fly almost anywhere and never reach the end of their catalog. So I have like a Bowie playlist for road trips and flights, and I have a Rolling Stones playlist. That's neither here nor there. What is here or there is that I couldn't, I could barely hear the whole flight. Luckily, there were two short flights, but we flew into Prescott. I was horrified by this plane we got on. And like I said, I'm super tall, so my head was almost touching, even sitting in the seat. I'll post photos of all this stuff, but even sitting in the seat, my head was almost touching the ceiling. Uh, I have an inside joke with Sarah Silverman whenever uh, I fly on an, a really tiny plane. This happened to us once when we were, we were flying to Ohio to do a show together. And for some reason, they put us on a small plane. It didn't have propellers. It was still a jet, but it was a smaller plane, and my head was really close to the ceiling. And when the flight attendant was doing their, you know, safety speech, uh, she came to the part where she said, if you need to uh, get a hold of a flight attendant, push the button that is directly over your head, and... uh I tapped Sarah on the shoulder and I said, do you think she means this one? And I had my cheek literally pressed against the button. That's how low the ceiling was. My face and head were against the actual lights and button and I pointed at it. So anytime one of us flies on a tiny plane, we, we text a, a photo of ourselves with our face mashed against the um, the, uh, the flight attendant uh request light whatever it's called anyway so yeah i couldn't hear anything we fly into prescott and then we had to wait an hour uh for our flight into telluride the telluride airport which is one of the most dangerous airports in the country it's there's a cliff on both ends of the runway and add the fact that it was now snowing so we fly there it's an hour to, like an hour and 10 minutes to prescott so that was luckily you know, even though I'm not super comfortable on it, getting on a tiny plane, both physically and emotionally, um, uh, it was okay because it was a short flight. And then it was supposed to be about the same flying to Telluride, but uh, because of the, because of the um, the snow, there was a snowstorm. We had to circle above Telluride for like an hour, just circling, which I hate doing. And then finally the captain's like, sorry, folks, we got to uh, go to a different airport. Went to a place called Montrose, which is like an hour and a half away from Telluride. And uh, we took a, a shuttle in. And the interesting thing was this town Montrose was about 5,500 feet, the elevation. And I was fine. I got out of the plane. I got my bag. I took it to the shuttle. Walked it to shuttle, had no problems, felt great. It's roughly the same altitude as Denver, which I've been to a bunch of times. I love. I've never had problems walking around or dealing with the altitude. 
you know, they call it the mile high city. Um, but it, it's still fine. We got in the shuttle. We drove to Telluride, which is between like, it's closer to 9,000, depending on where in the town you are, if you're skiing, between like nine and 10,000 feet. So we get there, and just in the hour and a half we've gone there, we've gone up, you know, about 3,000 more feet. I get out of the car. The guy hands me my bag. I walk. This is no joke. When I say literally, I mean literally. I walked about 10 feet and had to stop because I could barely breathe. I Like, I couldn't catch my breath. And this has never happened before. I've never been at this kind of an altitude where I had trouble breathing. Uh, so it was kind of alarming. It was kind of terrifying. And I had to do a show that night. I went. We went to the uh, the Sheridan Opera House in Telluride, where this theater where we're doing the shows. And I had to sit in the green room before the show. We got there like half an hour before the show because our flight, you know, was diverted and we barely made it in time. So I we rushed there. We get into the green room. I have to put on an oxygen mask. And you know it's common because they actually have an oxygen machine in the green room at the Sheraton Opera House. So, and it's not a full face mask. It's just one of those ones that goes over your ears and underneath your nose. And uh, I, I've always been curious about those. They're amazing. You really can tell a difference quickly. I put that thing on, turn on the oxygen, and boom. Felt a lot better. Went out, performed for about 15 minutes. Was just drenched in sweat. Was using the microphone stand to to prop myself up. I was so out of breath. Walked off the stage again. And it was like that for two or three days. I was up there for five days. It took forever to get used to it. The second day I was there, I got up in the morning and I was like, oh, I'm going to walk into town and get some coffee. I walked about halfway and had to stop and rest for a while because I was so out of breath. It was so crazy. And also, I wanted to talk about this with Busy, but uh, she's writing. Anyway, um, while I was, I wasn't skiing. I don't ski very much. And I, I was looking at this and I was like, well, I'll perform at night and I'll take photos at night and take photos during the day. But I will, for the most part, sleep. I will catch up on much needed sleep maybe do some writing, and it'll be like a vacation, uh, which I did, and it was awesome. I watched a lot of the Olympics because that was going on. I found it really bizarre how often I would turn on the TV and um, curling was on, which was interesting. I I found it very interesting. I got way into it, actually, but I would have liked to see some other events. <laughs> I would turn on the TV thinking, ah, I'd like to see some skiing, some, you know, the, whatever it's called, slope style, where they're doing tricks or bobsled, which I saw very little of the whole time I was there. And (laughs) you turn on the TV and it's always curling because the goddamn games take so long. It's really weird. You're also watching these guys who are, look like they spend most of their time hanging out in a garage drinking beer. <laughs> they are, by the way, in better shape than I am, I'm sure. I mean, 
especially the guys that are like sliding sideways and and sweeping really fast. That that takes some energy. I'm not going to totally diss the curlers. The curlers. Anyway, so yeah, that that was uh tell you Oh yeah, but I think it was the third day I was there. I decided to take my camera and get on the gond- I I'm going to mispronounce this cuz I was I was corrected about a million times. I would have said gondola. But everyone's like, it's gondola. Steve, it's gondola. I'm not fucking Italian. This isn't the this isn't Venice. But I got in the gond the gondola. I try and correct myself halfway through saying it. And uh and it just makes it worse. But I I so I I walked over to the gondola. <laughs> I was really hyper aware of saying it. And I got on. It's a free ride. You don't even have to have a ski ticket. And I got up. And I wanted to go to the very top of the mountain, which is like another 1,500 to 2,000 feet. I was like, I'm going to go up to the top of the mountain. Because it was now sunny. It only snowed the first day we were there and the last day. So I was yeah, I'm, I'm going to go up and I'm going to take some, get some really awesome landscape photos. And so you get into this gondola. <laughs> I don't want to say that word anymore. I'm going to call it a sky bucket. <laughs> Uh, you get into the sky bucket and it's loud in the little station where you board it and everything, you know, cause the, the gears and everything that, that move it are down there, but they're, they hold six people. So I get in, I'm the last one to get in and everyone is there by themselves. So I get in with five other strangers. We leave the station. And as soon as you go out and, and start going up, it's dead silent. Like that. It is completely quiet. It is so peaceful. It's amazing. And you start to go up and the view is incredible. You know, uh, Telluride's in this box canyon. So it's just huge mountains all the way around it. And you're going up higher and higher and even getting up above the tree line. And it's dead silent. I mean, it is as quiet as you could imagine. And then all of a sudden... The sound that breaks the silence is my fucking chest wheezing. Just. (sighs) And I am trying to mask it because I don't want people to. It's really embarrassing. It sounds like I'm having an allergy attack. When in actuality, I think I had an asthma attack. Really like my first like legit asthma attack. And it's funny because. A couple weeks ago, you know, when I was doing that independent movie in December and in the beginning of January, and I got bronchitis, which is what kept me from doing the live um, episode of this podcast in San Francisco. I got bronchitis, and I'm usually not a person that gets lung infections or coughs. So I went to the doctor uh, after all that, and... um, she was like, yeah, you have uh, bronchitis. And, and she's like, yeah, you're really wheezing badly. And um, I was like, well, you know, it's not just because of the bronchitis. I go, honestly, for like the past year and a half, not a lot, but every now and then I'll just be sitting, watching TV, 
driving in my car, just at random times, I will just start wheezing. And it doesn't last long. Usually if I drink some water, it's, it gets better quicker. Or I'll, you know, take some cough medicine and that clears it up. But for like a good year and a half, even without a cough, I will sometimes wheeze. And that's never happened before. <clears throat> and so I told that to my doctor and she was like, um, you know, you might have asthma. She's like, you could have adult like onset asthma. She said, I'm going to prescribe you two things. She prescribed me this stuff called Brio, which is like a long-term inhaler. Like it's not like if you have an asthma attack, that's not what you're going to want to use to clear it up immediately. It's something that you use to build up your resistance to asthma or whatever. But so I'm using and it's like a powder and you inhale it d daily. She's like, I'm going to give you that, do that for a few weeks and you should start feeling better, which, which I did for the, mo for the most part. And she's like, and I'm going to give you this steroid inhaler that's, you know, when you see in movies and TV shows and probably a bunch of your friends who have asthma, when they have an asthma attack and start wheezing, they have that little mist inhaler. I got one of those <clears throat> and she gave me this like a month and a half ago and, um, I hadn't used it. And honestly, I was kind of scared to use it. You know, Busy and I have talked. We don't like doing drugs just for the, you know, just because they make, at least me, they make me feel, I, I really react strongly, even to like allergy medicines or, you know, I take something, I feel it really strong. So I didn't want to take, because I knew it was steroids. So I was like, eh, I don't want to get all wiry and amped up. So, um, I, I just, but I have always kept it with me. I keep it in my camera bag or my backpack. So I've always had this inhaler with me. And for some reason, before I went to go up this mountain to take photos, I took the inhaler and I put it in my jacket for no reason. I was like, I probably won't need this, but what the hell? I think I was extra, extra cautious because I knew I had been having breathing trouble up there on the mountain. So we're in there and it just, I start wheezing and it's loud and everyone in the goddamn sky bucket <laughs> can hear it. It's like audible. And so I was like, oh my God, I have my asthma inhaler. Took it out, took a quick uh, hit. Within a few seconds, it was all cleared up. Felt great. I mean, I didn't feel great. I felt weird. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it just made me feel weird. But it cleared up my, my breathing stuff. Um, so I, I kind of wonder what would have happened if I didn't have the inhaler, like how bad it would have gotten or if it would have just cleared up on its own. Um, but also, you know, when I saw my doctor and she prescribed the inhaler, she also gave me a recommendation for a pulmonary specialist. I think that's what it's called, the, a, a lung doctor. And um, so I got to follow up. I've just been traveling so much that I haven't been able to set up an appointment. So that's going to happen this week. I'm going to make a call and set up an appointment with for that. And also I, you know, I, we talk about, you know, when, when you're feeling bad or something's wrong, go see a doctor. Don't put it off. I have been putting off 
going to see my cardiologist for this stress test. I have been putting it off so much. Um, and I say, you know, I say on the podcast, oh, I'm busy or, um, you know, for a while it was, we'd set up a day to do this stress test. And a couple of times it was the, the doctor who actually had to cancel. And then there were times where I had to because of work and they can only, they only do it on Wednesdays, which I find weird. If it's a cardiologist's office, they should be able to do this shit every day. So I thought that was weird. But it's like in Beverly Hills. It's like a really good one. Um, he's like a highly uh, recommended doctor. So, But there's also been times when I've just not made the appointment. And I'm like, oh, I'm feeling a little better. But every now and then I still get the heart palpitation. So, uh, you know, Monday I woke up. And, um, I was in Pensacola, Florida. I went there for a convention. This is after, I, I will say this, you know, I, I, I got back, f I'm, I'm trying to put a lot of shit and talk about a lot of shit at once. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll go back to this, but I, Monday I woke up, I was in Pensacola, Florida doing a convention. I was supposed to fly back. I woke up early for my flight. Uh, looked at my phone and saw that Kevin Smith had had a uh, a massive heart attack. And Kevin is two years younger than me. And that really fucking scared me. Um, and Kevin also, you know, I did a, a TV pilot with Kevin about two and a half to three years ago. It was for AMC, and I'd never met really met Kevin before. Um, I, I'm a fan of Kevin. I know a lot of people give him shit because, hey, is this, why does this guy always wear hockey jerseys or his movies are weird? I don't like... I, I'm a fan of Kevin's. I think he's... Uh, and I think it's inspirational that he's been able to go this long making independent movies and uh, doing what he wants to do. He's making the movies that he wants to, whether you like them or not, and I think that's really fucking cool. Anyway, I did this pilot with Kevin. It was the first time I had met him, and he could not have been nicer. And this was also, what, three years ago. You know, a year or two before that, he had had that incident on, uh, I think it was a Southwest flight, where he got on and he was too big for the seat, and they had to give him... Uh, you know, a seatbelt extender and there's a whole bunch of shit and it made it into the fucking tabloids and people were giving him shit for being fat, which is fucking embarrassing and not cool. And, um, so he lost a shitload of weight. And when I saw him, when I did his pilot, he was fucking super thin. He'd lost probably a hundred pounds, maybe even more. I forget what he told me, but I was like, dude, you look incredible. He's like, I feel great. And I think he had given up sugar. I think that was the main thing. And he, you know, because that's in everything. And it's just fucking horrible. And But he looked great. And he said he felt great. And I was, uh, I'm not going to lie, I was jealous. <laughs> we did his pilot. It was just one day's worth of shooting. But afterwards, he was like the kindest guy and he was like 
you know, I went to say goodbye to him. He's like, hey, man, if you ever need anything, just let me know. And that has always fucking stuck with me, how cool he is. And uh, just if you follow him on Twitter and Instagram, he's always gushing and doting on his daughter and wife. And he's like a super proud, awesome father. I'm going to start crying. Because I lost my father, you know, two and a half years ago. And Kevin lost his dad, he said in his Instagram post, to a heart attack. And so he's just like a super great father and dad and family guy. And super grateful for the work that he's still being able to do. Like I've never, you know, you don't see that all the time. And so uh, Monday when I woke up, um, I saw that that had happened. And it just was like... It was just fucking shocking because I don't think he's gained all that weight back. You know, he lost all that weight and he's, I still see him in pictures and you can still see his cheekbones and he still looks good. You know, maybe he did a lot of damage to his heart before he lost the weight and I'm sure he did. Also, I'm sure it's also genetic because his father died of a heart attack, but still it's like, fuck man, he's taken better care of himself over the past couple of years than I have. And he's two years younger than me. He's 47 and this happened. I have another friend, Todd Glass. He's a comedian. He was at Largo, which is my favorite venue here in Los Angeles. And he was doing a stand-up show. And he had a fucking heart attack during a show. Which is what happened to Kevin as well. And, um, you know, Kevin was actually recording a special. So a lot of times when you do that, you record two shows in a night. So you have enough to edit with, you know, if something doesn't land in the first show, maybe it does well in the second show, you can edit between them. He did the first show and he like afterwards said his chest felt heavy and he threw up and uh, uh, his friend's wife called the doctor and he canceled the second show and went. And if he had stayed to try and do the second show, he would have fucking died. That's what his doctor said. So this is all very familiar to me, you know, being someone in his 40s and who hasn't treated himself great. So that has been uh, kind of a wake-up call. I'm going to make my appointment to uh, to get my stress test. <clears throat> I swear to God, I, I don't want to put that off anymore. It's It was so fucking sobering to see that. And um, yeah, I... <laughs> I sent him an email the next day saying, you know, I'm glad you're alive and get to, you know, be around. <laughs> said, have a nice day, and I'm glad you get to have some more nice days. And he wrote back and said, <laughs> one of the first things he said was, thanks for the kind words. Let's podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, so maybe... Maybe I can get him to come on this podcast and talk about it. I, I also I also have this weird thing. You know, Busy and I started doing this as a way to kind of make fun of ourselves for being hypochondriacs and share our stories and, you know, her freaking out and having a panic attack in an MRI machine and that kind of dumb stuff and just be lighthearted. And it, it, this podcast has turned into something a lot more... Um, just a lot more, you know, when we have guests on who have actually had legitimate problems like strokes and 
been in comas and shit like that. And um, I'm always a little nervous to ask people, you know, would you want to come on and talk about this, about this? Because I don't want anyone to feel like I'm exploiting them just to do a podcast. Um, I'm explo- <laughs> I'm exploiting them because I'm trying to help you, the listeners. Out. <laughs> no, I, I'm kidding about that, sort of. You know, I don't... I uh, just, from the emails that Busy and I have gotten um, and the comments and, and the love we've gotten about this podcast, I've found that it's much more than us making fun of ourselves. And it's become a lot more about Actual information, useful information. I know a lot of my information and Busy's information is fucking goofy and sometimes ill-informed. But some of our guests have had some amazing things to say. You know, Andy and Rob and uh, Emily and and Nicole and and everyone else. It's been... uh, We get the best responses when we have guests and uh, so I just want to keep doing that. I want to uh, cover as many topics as I can with as, you know, as many guests as I can who are willing to actually share their stories. And I, I'm always just afraid that it's, I don't want it to seem exploitative because um, these are people that I also care about, you know. Anyway, oh boy, I just really went off on a f- fucking sappy tangent. Is that the title of this episode? A sappy tangent? <laughs> it sounds like a kind of nectarine. Oh, uh, the sappy tangents are in season. <laughs> Excuse me, I need some water. But anyway, yeah. Um, so I'm glad Kevin's okay. If we can get him on this or not, I'm just fucking glad he's okay. And get fucking go get your checkups, you guys. Um, so yeah, uh, to finish up on Telluride, I did the whole weekend. It was really fun. We did one one night. It was a Saturday night, and um, we were doing our show. The first half was stand up. I did a set, and Emily Heller did a set, and uh, Claire Mullaney. All did stand-up sets. Then there was an intermission. And then we did a, an improv show with some of the improvisers. And um, it was funny because that, that night there was a local from Telluride who was competing in the Olympics. Uh, I forget his last name. His first name is Gus. He became famous for uh, the previous Olympics, him and his boyfriend, stayed around after the Olympics in China and rescued a bunch of dogs from basically being eaten. These dogs that were being raised for food. Um, So these guys became heroes just based on that alone. And uh, he actually, they did the same thing in Korea. They rescued a bunch of dogs. It's fucking amazing. But he was... uh, a skier, and I, I think his event was slope style, which is the one where they're doing tricks like flips and spins. It's really amazing to watch. And so he was from Telluride, and so I'm shocked that people even came to our show because it was on live during the time that our show was happening. And so we did the stand-up show, and um, 
And then we'd go down. We had the intermission, and everyone filed out of the theater, and intermission went into the bar or uh, his ski um, set, not a ski set, his uh, whatever you call it. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, he was skiing at that time, and so everyone in to, went into the bar to watch him ski, and um, uh, he f- he fell or something. He messed up. So then that happened, and it kind of really brought the mood down. And then they came back in. It's so like, all right, now we're depressed. Entertain us, motherfuckers. <laughs> um, but regardless of whether that guy meddled or not, he's still rescuing dogs, and he's. Uh, you know, that's award-winning in my book. Anyway, so yeah, uh, Monday I was supposed to fly back. And of course there was a snowstorm. And we go to the airport. And we're supposed to fly out at Telluride, that tiny airport with the, the cliffs. And we drive up there in the in our van to to uh, to fly out. And we drive right alongside the runway, which is covered in snow and ice. It has not been plowed at all. We go in to the terminal and they're like, uh, we're waiting to see if it clears up to see if you're still going to have a flight. And in my head, I was like, there's not going to be a flight. It's not clearing up and they're not even plowing the runway. So we wait for like an hour and then someone comes in and they're like, okay, all the flights out of here are canceled. <laughs> and they're like, it's supposed to rain or snow tomorrow, so it's going to be dice getting out of here tomorrow too. And I had to fly to Pensacola, Florida to do a comic convention, like a Comic-Con type convention to do panels for like Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. And so I had to get home with at least a day's worth of time to do laundry and repack to, to fly out of L.A. again. And so I couldn't wait around for the weather to maybe clear. So this was really stupid looking back on it. I rented a car and I was like looking for the closest airport that would have sun and I could get out of. And that was Phoenix. Which according to my GPS was like, oh, Phoenix, it's like six hours away. I was like, I can do that. That's like driving from L.A. to San Francisco, which I've done a ton of times. So I was like, I'm renting an SUV. And by SUV, they gave me like a Kia Sorento. I don't even think it was four-wheel drive. But I rented one, and I told the guys, I'm like, I'm driving to Phoenix today, and I will get a first flight out tomorrow, which would be a Tuesday, and then I'll have a day and a half in L.A. It was supposed to be a six-hour drive. It ended up being more like a 10- or 11-hour drive because of the snow. I didn't even... For some reason, I'm like, oh, we're at like 10,000 feet. As soon as I get down lower, it'll stop snowing. I didn't realize it was like 5,000 feet, even at the lowest, all the way to like Flagstaff, Arizona. So the majority of that drive was in snow. The majority of that drive, there was a snowstorm. It was supposed to take me an hour to get to like the first town at the bottom of the hill. It took me four hours because I could not see anything. The roads were not being plowed and uh, I didn't know my way around those roads. So I was driving like between 10 and 25 miles an hour, sometimes 30. 
but super goddamn slow for like hours and hours of just, and I couldn't see more than like 10 feet in front of the car. Oh my God, it was so exhausting. Like I had that thing where my my shoulders were tensed up because I was so nervous. So that night, you know, when I got to Phoenix, it was just like, I had the worst headache and my neck hurt. And But I made it back. I Looking looking back on it, I should have just figured out a way to get to like Denver or something and change my flight and f- just suck it up and fly to F- Florida from Denver. I, I don't know. I, I look, if I had it to do over, I would not have done that again, especially by myself. That could have been dangerous. But I went to uh, Florida and flew to Florida and had a good time. The weather was 75 degrees, so that was awesome. And uh, flew back, got back on my birthday this this Monday. So now we're all up to speed. <laughs> um, I think Busy's still waiting on the results from her biopsy. So you're not going to miss out on that by not having her on this uh, episode. Uh, the results are not in yet. I know she's still having <laughs> sinus problems. I, oddly enough, my sinuses are fine now. I I was worried about them for a while and talking about sinus surgery, but there se- appears to be no infection anymore. I have no more pressure. I'm breathing fine. Everything seems good. So uh, knock on wood for that, at least. Um, wow, I have talked for 45 minutes about my trips. And it was funny, I think, because the last time I talked to Busy on the podcast, we did it via phone. But I was worried about how much I was going to be tra- traveling. You know, all in all, I think in the past couple of weeks I've had one, two, three, four, five, six, probably eight flights, seven or eight flights. I mean, one was cut out because of my driving to Phoenix, but probably seven flights and uh, in the winter and cold and flu season. I was convinced I was going to be sick. I wasn't. I, I did really well. You know, when I got to my destinations, I bought some saline nasal spray. So I would, you know, as soon as I got off the plane, I went and got some. And I I kind of lubed out my sinuses to get rid of any of the germs I may have breathed in. And I kept taking a lot of vitamin C, you know, on my trips and... um trying to eat a bit, little bit better and at the very least drink a lot of water, which I did. And, um, it worked And in Telluride there, the rooms that we had came with, uh, humidifiers in them, which I am now a huge fan of, you know, I think I talked about, I bought one in December and it's changed everything for me. As far as winter goes, I used to have really dry skin and scratch my legs. So they would, you know, just be shredded and sometimes bleeding and and I would do all of this in my sleep because the the cold air gets really dry and um it's not happening anymore thanks to the humidifiers and so I had that in uh, Telluride which was awesome so I'm I've been back for a few days and I feel great um thank, thank god I was just I just didn't want to get sick um let's check an email let me, oh, look, I just have a, uh, what do you call it? I have a notice on my phone about a flash flood watch. It's raining in LA. Um, <clears throat> let's go to the emails here. Okay, this is a newer one. I still have some old ones. Keep the emails coming, by the way. Some, you know, we kind of, 
when I'm doing these by myself, I just kind of scroll through and, and look for a, uh, what do you call it? A, a subject line. That's something that like, Oh, I could probably talk about that and not something that's me and busy specific. So this one comes from a, a listener named Adam. The subject is eye floaters. The second I saw that, I was like, oh, God damn it. I, I suffer. I have so many eye floaters. For those of you who don't know, I don't know what the technical name is. I'm, sh I'm sure someone will leave a comment. But um, if, if you've ever been looking up at the sky or you're reading a book or you're looking at just one solid color, not if there's a lot of stuff going on in your field of vision, but if you're looking at just like the page of a book or a blank white wall or the blue sky. It usually works better with lighter colors. You'll see these squiggles that kind of move through your field of visions. Uh, the nickname for those are eye floaters. I'm sure a lot of you have them. I have them. I had an eye doctor tell me uh, uh, that um, a good way to deal with I, I don't think they're curable once you do have them, but to keep them from getting worse, my eye doctor said uh, omega-3s. So like fish oils um, and stuff like that, uh, walnuts, whatever omega-3s come in. Give it a shot, guys. Prevent your eye floaters. Anyway, I should probably read this guy's email. <laughs> I should probably read Adam's email because maybe I just answered it. <clears throat> Hi, Busy and Steve. <clears throat> Sorry. I was just curious if either of you have any experience with eye floaters. Bingo. I just... Uh, I'm way ahead of you, Adam. <clears throat> I just started having them at 27 and found that they are fairly common for people who are nearsighted. Oh, see, I did not know that. Would love to hear a podcast about eyesight and eye conditions. I don't know if either of you have uh, mentioned any eye stuff on the podcast yet, but I thought I would write. Um, have a great day. Yeah, so um, I did know, not know they were more common in people who are nearsighted. I am nearsighted and farsighted. I'm supposed to be wearing um, progressive lenses, which are basically bifocals. The top half lets you see far away, like when you're driving and stuff, and the bottom half is for when you're reading. Uh, I did not know they were um, more common... I don't know, even know if that's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I definitely have eye floaters. I've had them, Jesus, probably longer than being 27. So Adam, if you're listening listening to this, uh, talk to your eye doctor again. See if he or she thinks um, omega-3s would help. Uh, if so, you may... If, Jesus Christ, you should be uh, getting a, a diet that has omega-3s in it anyway. You know, um, fish oil is apparently the best way to get that. Some people don't like fish. I'm one of those people. I don't like fishy fish, which tend to be the ones that have the most omega-3s. You know, like salmon, trout, like the red fish. The ones that, to me at least, taste fishy. White fish to me, I can eat. Like cod and that kind of stuff. Um tilapia, bass, that kind of stuff is, that fish to me generally is good. It doesn't taste as fishy, but apparently it doesn't, as far as I know, have as much 
omega threes as like salmon would. Um, so I don't get as much, but they're found in a lot of nuts and stuff too. Um, or what is it? Flaxseed. I think flaxseed has it. You can put that in your smoothies or whatever, or sprinkle it on your cereal. Um, but I did find out, you know, I tried taking omega-3 fish oil pills, fish oil to get my omega-3s, and uh, found uh, this horrible thing that happens, which is after if I've taken a pill of fish oil, when I burp, it tastes like fish, which is why I don't eat fish in the first place. So now I'm I'm getting that from a pill that I take? No, thank you. Um but uh my it was my eye doctor who was actually like oh yeah she's like that happens to a lot of people she goes uh you may want to think of getting uh your omega 3s from krill oil uh i'm not 100% what krill is it's like a i think it's like a plankton or something but just as high in omega 3s as fish and you can get them in pill form and uh i like them they do not taste like fish to me there's no burp fishy burpy after after aftertaste is that the name of this t episode fishy burpy aftertaste uh so adam if you're looking to get into the omega-3 game uh i use a company it's uh, you can find them in most grocery stores even in the you know vitamin supplement area or in pharmacies uh where they sell the omega-3 like the fish oils uh there's a company called mega red and they sell uh omega-3s in krill oil and for me it's been great i don't do it every day i don't do it even sometimes often but when i do take them i don't get the the aftertaste of fish which i f cannot stand because it reminds me of when i was growing up and I would uh, go fishing with my dad and just the smell of the bait. Like we'd, you know, we'd fish in the ocean. So we'd cut up like squid, frozen squid. Or just being on the boat with just dead fish. Oh, it just smelled so bad. So it's kind of turned me off to sushi. It's turned me off to fishy smelling and fishy tasting fish. I will say this though. I was in, you know, when I was in Pensacola... Uh, me and a friend went out to dinner um, Sunday night, our last night there, uh, just this past Sunday. And we went to a seafood place, which is very common, oddly enough, in Florida. Uh, Pensacola is on the Gulf Coast. It's in the Panhandle. And we went to a fish place. And I generally do not order fish. Usually they have like a steak option or something, or I'll just get a salad and some soup or whatever. But... This is so this is so dumb, but to me it makes sense. This is how I justify eating fish. If I go to a restaurant that's like really pricey, like this restaurant, me and my friend were talking and someone was from the area was like, You gotta go to the Grand Marlin. It's this place in Pensacola Beach, and they're like, it's like an amazing like uh, you know, seafood place. And I looked on Yelp and it had like just the best reviews. And so we go in there and it was really expensive. Like I probably would never go in there by myself, but it was a, I was there with a, my friend Mindy, who I have not seen in years. She was at the same convention and um, 
oh my god, the food was so good. The fish was good. I got crab cakes, which were great. I'm always, I'm always a little bit uh, suspicious of like the bottom dwellers, like crabs and uh, lobster. But we got crab cakes, which were incredible, and we got uh, these lobster tails that were kind of fried or battered, like almost like a dim sum. And oh my God, they were exactly the way you would want lobster to taste. They weren't rubbery at all. It didn't taste fishy. It was so goddamn good. So if you're ever in Pensacola, go to the Grand Marlin. It was, and it was pricey, which I normally, you know, I'm a, I'm a cheapo guy. But if I'm at a place like that, I'm like, uh, my justification is that well, it's probably expensive because they're using like the best fish. <laughs> Who knows? I could just be going to to Vons and buying just the the most run of the mill fish, but it really was good and um, totally worth it. I don't know what. Oh yeah, omega threes, <laughs> whatever. Um, so there you have it, Adam. This was a a view a single viewer mail episode, but um, guys, hopefully busy will be done with her book soon. It was also just really another tough week of trying to get together between her writing and me flying. And, uh, I had to do this music video and I had some pilot and voiceover auditions and, um, it was rough timing. Uh, but now I'm back. I have no plans on leaving for a while. And so it will be easier to find a time for busy and I to record and, uh, record more often. So uh, I think that's it, guys. Um, it's been about an hour. I'm honestly, you know, I have another podcast. It's called Steve A.G. Uh. I do it very infrequently. I haven't done an episode in probably six months. And that one's just me sitting with my friends shooting the shit. There's no specific topics. It's not medical or anything. And uh, there have been a few episodes where I couldn't get a guest and I tried to uh, talk the whole hour by myself. And I couldn't. I've never been able to just talk for an hour by myself on a podcast until I started doing these. A lot of it in uh, in part is due to your um, emails. That, that actually helps me fill time if I, I feel like I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but I am back. I am uh, healthy as far as I know. Um, and uh, hopefully next week we will be... Um, one host heavy with uh, myself and busy. We'll, we'll have her back. And uh, thanks for listening, you guys. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you're staying healthy this cold and flu season. And a uh, big shout out to Kevin Smith. I'm glad you're okay. Have a great weekend. Bye, guys. It's a good show. <laughs>